0: and welcome to the Story X Story podcast where we discuss stories across pop culture plus give you advice on creating your own. It is episode number 86 and today we are going behind the story. I am your co-host Nigel.
1: I am a content creator and co-host Tazzy.
0: And for our interview episodes we like to talk to creative professionals to unpack the story that is their journey into their industry and today we're going to hear the story behind V Souvelet. Author of Indie Games Bounty, welcome to the show.
2: Hello, thanks for the invite.
0: Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us. I'm like really intrigued to get like to know how you came to make uh, your book and the context of, contents of the book as well. Because like we talk to uh, indie uh, game developers on our on our show uh, across our gaming platform as well. So yeah, it'd be good to hear the perspective of someone who has literally written the book about indie games so uh, looking forward to it so you can subscribe to story x story on apple podcast uh, on spotify and wherever you get your podcast from you can also send us your feedback and questions to feedback at mymada.com drop them in our discord or follow us on social media we are at myamada on twitter at myamada tv on instagram and tiktok or at tazzy on everything Uh, Before we get into our discussion for today, let's find out what's happening in the My Matter universe. So we are fast approaching the end of the year, which is always scary uh, to say because it always feels like it comes way too fast and yet uh, takes ages. But uh, we have just released our latest manga, Serious Through the Fog, so it's now in print copies have been sent out to our kickstarter backers who made it happen and website pre-orders also debuted at the recent thought bubble comic convention so it's now done and in line with our other manga titles from the Maya matter universe so really happy that that is done uh, that is available available for people to uh, get to read and hopefully enjoy Uh, so into next year into 2020 we're going to be working on new manga so definitely keep your eyes peeled for that In the meantime, I'm going to continue the the comic theme and start a new series on our Twitch channel, which I'm using the working title of Casual Conversations with Comic Creators because that's pretty much what it is. Um, Every month, I'm looking to have a casual conversation with a comic creator uh, about the work they do, what inspires them, uh, and uh, yeah, everything about their work. So we'll be having conversations every first Tuesday of the month. That's their the aim the the schedule that i'm going to look for so look out for that uh, and any uh, highlights of those on our youtube channel uh, if you missed the live stream and with our december studio 77 activities we have one last event for the year we're going to be playing a uh, gartic phone for our games night and that is going to be on the 30th so thursday the 30th of december uh, we're going to be playing with Tazzy. Studio 77 members, and also everyone is invited. So uh, for our last event of the year, uh, we're gonna be opening up to anyone who wants to join us. Make sure you are on our Discord uh, and we'll give the details on the day to join in with that. Uh, As for our other games nights, you can check out highlights from our Roblox, uh, Fortnite, uh, well, so we played Rocket League. um, And as we get other videos together, drop them on our YouTube channel. So you can check out the highlights of past Games Nights uh, and consider becoming a Studio 77 member to get involved uh, with future Games Nights. And then looking ahead to 2022, on January the 15th, we will be live on Twitch for the New Year Gamepad online event hosted by Tazzy. So we will have our Friendly Fire competition, we will have industry interviews and giveaways uh, and uh, teams taking part in matches across Brawlhalla, Rocket League and Knockout City. Uh, I will be interviewing another round of games industry professionals uh, so you can get a taste of what people did to get to the jobs they're in now the past they've taken the journeys uh, and what they learned from that so you can learn as well so whether you're interested in getting a job in the games industry or just curious to know how things come together a little behind the scenes look uh, you can check that out as well so tickets are free and we'll be doing new artwork to mark the events so the high-res version will be going to the discord community uh, and we'll also have a print canvas version that will go to a lucky ticket holder so make sure you get your tickets even though it is a free event so getting your tickets will get you direct links to the event updates schedule and then a chance to win that canvas so definitely make sure you are around for that so that is what is coming some of the stuff that we've done for the year and uh, now let's go behind the story with today's guest.
1: So, we're going to get into some fun questions. Fun? Weird description. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get into some interesting questions with our guest, Bounty V. Yes, Is that's that it. Yes, Okay, cool. So, yeah, we're going to go over some questions um, and find out a little bit more about Bounty We're going to start from the beginning. Well, somewhat of a beginning. Where did you grow up and what got you into journalism in general?
2: Well, I I grew up in uh, France, in the suburb of Paris. So it's um how to say that low class suburb? Well it was um most people think that when you're living in the suburb of Paris it's like living in a hole. in reality it's not that bad and um then I, I have the um, I was one of the geek in the, in the classroom. So I was interested in manga and anime at the time where nobody was interested in manga and anime. And I was also interested in the video game because it was uh, something new. And um, yeah, after that uh, I met some people and we made a fanzine and um, that was the beginning. And after a while, the fanzine became magazine and um after that it was just um everything happened by chance i think i was the um, the girl at the right place at the right time i don't know (laughs) that's all i'm sorry there's (laughs) nothing uh, more interesting than that i i just have a lot of luck i think
1: no i think it's very interesting it's nice to know how people's stories start and how different everyone's is so you were at you were interested in games from a younger age.
2: Yes. Well, at first I didn't have uh, my own console because we were not rich enough to have a console. But um, I was uh, doing babysitting and uh, um, I was doing babysitting in some family and they have one console. So I can play with the, the kids and we were playing a lot. And that's how I was interested in uh, video games. And I was interested in manga, so I give them manga and they well we play video game all together and that's how it all began and after that I was writing stuff about uh, the anime I like or the the game I like in some fanzine and then from there well I met other people and uh, since I, I, I can write really fast people give me text to write and then that's all it, it's just that I when I'm I'm into a, a thing. I have to be like a um, crazy girl, some kind of, I don't know, monomania. I don't know how to say it in English, but that's it. So I, I just do one thing and do it until um one day it doesn't seems so well and then uh, I stop. But <laughs> hyper fixation, I think that's called. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah like really focused on something yeah
2: so it's like when i, I was um fan of uh, full metal alchemist i think i have write almost 10 20 articles about that and then i stopped because i, I i've done everything i can do about uh, full metal alchemist but yeah that was a crazy period so yeah
1: i oh, that sounds really really cool so what does games journalism look like now versus when you started
2: Oh, it's very different because when I started, it was um, very artisanal. I don't know how, yeah. Nowadays, every mainstream media have a game journalist and games are becoming more mainstream. So everything is more political. When At the beginning, it was, it was only a an hobby. And so um, only crazy people are talking about video games or geeks. So nobody cares about that. Everyone was uh, making fun of us. And then suddenly um, the magazines sell well. So everyone wants to be a game journalist. And then there was the Gamergate and everything about that. And nowadays you don't have really um, print magazine. Everything is online. And um, the online press is very different because um, game journalists are not writing for people. They're writing for the algorithm so that Google... Can recommend their article, but before when it was on print, um, the journalists were just a matter. They were um, geeks that want to convey their passion to other people, so they were writing for people and not for the algorithm.
1: Yeah, so it has changed quite a bit. So your book, what inspired you to make this book, and how long did it take from the idea to getting it to print?
2: Well, uh, I was um, writing about indie games on my blog, and one day um, a guy from a publishing house, Braglion, it's French uh, publisher, uh, he contacted me because he wanted to make a game about a book about indie game, and he, he thought that my articles were interesting because I wasn't talking about mainstream bestseller game like Call of Duty and things like that, but more about uh, indie game. Because um, independent creators have more freedom, so they can really talk about what happened when everything falls apart. Because when you're talking to um, a game developer, when he is in a big company, he can't say what went wrong or what um, doesn't work. So that's less interesting. It's more polish. It's more um, sanitized. I don't know how to say that in English. Oh, sanitized. Sanitize. Okay, so that's why indie games are more uh, interesting because when you talk to creator, they tell you all the crap they have to, to live, and uh, it's important because then you really understand how hard it's to make a game. It's not as fun as people may think, but it's through the hardship that you make something valuable. Yeah, that's what I was interested in. And so he contacted me, um, I signed a contract, and then uh, I have to contact all the um, creators. And uh, I don't know, maybe um, one year from the beginning to the end of the process. The the most um, difficult thing was to contact people because uh, uh, since I'm French, uh, nobody knows me. So it was... Always a, a bit awkward to to say, hey, hey, I'm doing a book about indie games. Could you answer some questions, things like that? But most people in the industry is uh, most people are very kind. So I have a lot of answer, and uh, I made a lot of um, interview by Skype and things like that with people in the U.S., in Australia, and um, in Europe. And after that, I have to. Um, Take all the, um, the testimony, and it's like a giant Tetris, uh, in which you have to put every testimony and make it fit, so that uh, the the chapter makes sense. Yeah.
1: And what other than um, sort of having to Tetris together the interviews? What other challenges did you have putting it together?
2: the The major challenge was to try to. Contact every kind of different kind of people because uh, I've talked to a marketing guy, i talked to a um, programmer, but also to musician and um, every kind of job you have in the industry so that you have um, a real image of the industry because you, you can make indie games even if you, you don't know how to program. You can make the music, you can make other things for the indie game. So that was the, the main challenge because you, you have to well to search for that. For example, I have an interview uh, about a, f- a small French studio. They are not making only indie games, they're making also um, uh, visual for ads and uh, the movies, but uh, they, they also made um, a concept visual for indie games. So that was uh, very interesting because that one of their channels, That's why you you can say that video game and indie game is part of a large um, media ecology where if you have a talent, if you're good at what you're doing, you can have a place in the indie game or in the game development. Cool.
1: And what about the unexpected
2: successes? Well, the first, first developer who answered to my question was Justin Ma. Uh, he's the creator of uh, Faster Than Light, and it was very uh, surprising for me because I did not expect him to answer the question so quickly. So he was the first one, and it was very. Um, I was very honored by his kindness, and uh, he was very frank, very direct. Because um, for French people, most um, English speaking, the, the English speaking world is very. Um, you you never say the um, everything is very polish you don't uh say trash about your editor or your publisher things like that but um some developer some creator really talk about that so that was the um, the success for me you you have to go beyond the politically correct or the uh, PR correct and it was not um, fake communication with them. It was a real dialogue, and they really, well, give some testimony about how difficult it is or how grateful it is to to make a game. So yeah, that was my success, and I'm now uh, writing the the second book about indie games, and I'm very delighted to 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 reach out to uh, other U.S. developers who are. Um, were at the beginning of the indie game scene. So, yeah, that was um, a success for me. Okay, cool.
1: And so, a bit more about sort of like indie development. How would you define what an indie game is? Has that definition changed since the early days of the industry?
2: Well, yes. At first, um, there was no industry, so everyone was an indie game developer. But um, in the 80s and 90s, um the, indie, the the game development became a real industry with a huge company. and um after that in um twenty twenty eight um there there was a the beginning of the indie scene again, and that was linked to new way to broadcast game, new way to sell game. Because when you're selling game uh, via internet um, via um, when you, you don't use retail, everything is different. So you can make a small game and you can have small profits, but it's enough for you to have enough money to make another game. When you're small, you don't need to have a huge success that, uh, that gives you millions of uh, dollars or things like that. You just need some some financial return to to make another game, and that was a big boom for the indie game because everyone can do a small game and uh, sell it on the internet and make another game. So you you can make a game and living and live to to make another game. I I think that's uh, the um, the beginning, but. After a while, everyone wants to do an indie game. So now the publishers are here to help indie developers again. So you have the, it's like a constant cycle. It begins small and then it's um, bigger, bigger, bigger again. The publishers are here again and uh, it's becoming a mess again and it will crash maybe. Or something else will uh, begin small and cycle will uh, return as well now we are um, at the phase of the cycle where it's maybe more mature because there's new publisher uh, specialized for indie game development. so it's very very different now uh, from uh, five or six years ago
1: mm. you use the term indiepocalypse uh, in your book can you explain that a bit more for us
2: well, it's in the cycle when um a small content uh, creator, you, you reach an audience that is very large because there's a few content creators for them. But after a while, everyone wants to be an indie developer. So there's more and more games. There's um, The market is um, full of all kinds of games. Some are good, some are bad. But... The problem for the consumer is that there are too many games and he doesn't know what to, to buy, what to choose and when to, <laughs> to play because when you play a game, it takes a lot of time. So since you only have uh, 24 hours a day, it's very difficult to choose the right game and play and choose um, a game that is really interesting. So that's why uh, after a while, there's too many indie developers for the markets and there's a crash and that's the indiepocalypse. Uh That means that uh, you can't make a living by doing indie games anymore uh, unless you have a big success. And that's why now you have a PR company uh, who are um, helping indie game developer. You have a specialized publisher and things like that. So that's Indie apocalypse. It's the end of an era when you can do everything by yourself now it's more complicated because um the consumer don't have the time and there's too many games on the market i mean if you go on steam there's i don't know 10 games per day maybe i don't know that there, there's really too many games so there, there's too many choice and even if you only play great game it will take you too much time and you have to work and things like that so yeah. That's in the And eat and sleep. Yeah. <laughs> all the other stuff. Well you can <laughs> and all that. You can eat while playing, but it's difficult. That's
0: true. That's true. I've I've done that a few times. Yeah. <laughs>
1: can definitely understand that, that there's too much choice. Way too much
2: choice. It's like the um on Steam you have the wish list and your wish wish list is always full and you know the game you want to buy and it's always um a big list but then you have to to play it and uh, most of the time you don't play all the game you have uh, bought on uh, on on Steam when it's on sale so that's the problem
1: me and every other steam library owner <laughs> feeling very called out right now <laughs> so you give examples of indie developers who achieved massive success but then fell into depression. What can aspiring indie developers, indie developers learn from those experiences?
2: Well, at first, when, you, um, when they were doing their games, it was very difficult because they don't have any support. It was weird to do a game by yourself, and people didn't think it, you, you can have a success. So people who were making it the first indie game, um, they were stubborn. They were very focused and they have to be very focused to endure all the process for years and years. And after a while, they were, all their life was in making that game. And since the, their life is making that game, when the game is done, when the, it's like it's nine of an era for them and they don't have any goals anymore because everything was uh, linked to that game. But now, uh, most of uh, indie developers, they are not focusing on one game. Most of them want to do games in general. So I think that um, there's a shift in the mentality. And there may be more um, realist than the first indie developers. Because at first, it was very... um, Well, you really need to be focused and a bit crazy. Right now, it's it's very different the the mindset is different and that's maybe why maybe people since they're more realistic they're less prone to be um, in depression after finishing the game i hope
1: okay and so you talk about the way gaming press highlight the massive success or not reflecting the daily reality of indie development so what is that daily reality and where should the expectations of new devs be when making games?
2: Well, the thing is, making a game is a job. So a job is not its not about passion every day. It's not exciting every day. It's It's—it's um, a process. So if you don't like the process, it will be difficult. And then the other thing is that uh, you have to expect the unexpected. Everything can happen. There's always a problem that will happen. So, if you want something that is um, a routine, you, you you won't have that. So, that's the, the main thing. And even if now you have a special publisher, you have more support from the government in some country and things like that, it's always difficult to create something because you, you have to uh, face your own doubt. You have to be insecure. So... I think that's the, the daily life. It's not all fun, but it's worth it because it's uh, it's your creation. And that's why I, I think that most um, indie developers, they don't want to be a cog in the machine. They want to create something and they want to own something, in a, even if they they didn't manage to be a millionaire after that. The most important thing is, the, um, is to not be a cog and, and make your thing. That's difficult. Because when you're a cog, you just have to go with um, the the flow and do as everyone. Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, So we are seeing more formal education paths into games. What changes do you think this has made for the individual and the industry? Is there still value in being self-taught, whether in addition to school or even instead of?
2: I think that most uh, creative people, if they want to do a game, they don't need a formal education. I mean, um, if, you, if you look at the first um, big creator, uh, like the creator of Final Fantasy, he didn't have a PhD in video game or things like that. He didn't care. He was doing some stuff in um, cinema. It doesn't work. It, he was not interested in cinema enough. And then there was a small company. Um, it's called um, Square. He made some fun game, and um, after a while, he made his uh, final game. It's Final Fantasy. So he didn't have a formal education in making game, and it's the same with the creator of the music. He didn't have a PhD in music content or things like that. He just made it. And most of the indie um, creator now. They are the same kind of um people. they don't they don't need your permission. They don't need the paper. they don't need something to prove that they can do it. They will do it because they are like that. and that's the the good thing you You don't need to to pay to be in a school to to learn things. You have internet. you can you have a lot of things. You just have to do it, and that's the key to be an indie game developer
0: yeah i remember it just reminds me that like, we did an interview this would have been last year with two brothers from the us and their uh studio indie studio decoy games so they make a game called swim sanity and i just remember them saying that like, we just learned it off youtube <laughs> and we just did what we needed to do and then uh, now they've got a game they made it it's out uh it's by the looks of it doing well, it's a really cool game as well so yeah they just went yeah. and, and did it
2: yeah because when you you're in a, a school the teacher will teach you things that has already been done. So that's not creative. When you're uh, forced to do stuff because you don't have the tools, you don't have the money, or you don't have time. Yeah.
0: You get very creative.
2: <laughs> yes, that's it. And, and it's uh, it's a mindset. But most people, they, they like games. They, they want to be reassured. They want to reassure their parents or their family. I don't know. So they go to a school to make games. But in reality, you don't need that. I've made interviews of people who were programmers, but in reality, they didn't go to school to learn, uh, learn to code. They learn to code uh, via internet. So that's the, the thing. When you're an indie creator, when you, if you have uh, some skill in uh, graphic design, for example, and you don't know how to code well, you have to learn by yourself and it's the same thing if you're a developer and you don't know how to do music and things like that well you you can learn it's difficult you you may do something that is as a specialist and to to have as more important than the results
1: yeah i feel like creativity is one of those things you can't learn creativity right you can't be taught creativity you yeah. already have
0: it <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't be taught what you already have. It's just whether you are able to use it or not.
2: Yeah, you have to enjoy the risk because mm. um if you don't take the risk, you won't succeed. It's um, in French. We have um a phrase: it's uh, a sans péril, on triomphe sans gloire,' which means something like: um If you don't face great danger, you don't have the glory." And it's the same in video game. If you don't face some uh, hardship, uh, if you don't have big constraints, maybe you won't make a game that is uh, as good as it can be. So the constraints are important to uh, force you to be creative.
1: That's a good saying. I feel like, I don't know about you, Nigel, but I'm definitely um, using this to add on to a lot of the stuff we were talking about the other day about getting things done. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <going for> it. <laughs> no, it's really good advice and no, uh, like we need to hear it as well as people listening.
1: So. <laughs> so, you mentioned that the majority of indie game creators are actually people who have left big companies to form their own studios. Why do you think people leave relatively financial security to take such a big risk and what does this say about the way games are being made today?
2: Well, they, um, they take the risk because if you don't have risk, you don't have an adventure. And most people want to live an adventure. At first, you, you want to live an adventure and then you maybe have a family, so you want something more cozy, more... Well, you, you want to have a routine for your family. But after a while, you, you want to, to be on an, in an adventure again. That's why most people, after a certain time period in a, in a job... They want to quit to yeah to, to have a new adventure, to take risks, because that's the um, interesting part in life. If everything is a, a routine, there's nothing new. Everything is boring. You're just a cog. So that's why I think they, um, they prefer to gain less money and have more fun. I uh, definitely can understand that. And if, even if it's um, hard to make a game and um, even if you have less money, you you make something that it's, uh, well, it's your own. When you're in a big company, you have to deal with your manager. You have to deal with the decision of the chief of the that or that department. You can do what you want because um, you're part of the big company. And even if you have a good idea, then you have the playtest and the the marketing guy will tell you that uh, it's nice, but it won't sell enough for the, um, the company because they're expecting one million dollar per day. I don't know, crazy stuff like that. So even if the, the idea is good and it could sell, the um, the project is um is killed. So that's why when you're in a big company in reality you you don't have you you don't create anything. You're just part of the company. Yeah. So it's tough to make any game,
1: especially indie games. What do you see as the challenges for indies, both creatively and financially? And what roles do publishers play in the success and survival of indie studios?
2: The um, the main problem is that you never know what will succeed or not. There's no recipe to succeed, to success. So when you have a publisher, it's always reassuring because the publisher will do whatever he can to he can to help you. But it doesn't lead to a financial success not every time. So that's the crazy the crazy part of making a game and try to live by making games. And um, that's the 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 big thing because when you invest everything all your money or your time or your feelings in a game and uh, the game is not a success, then you have to face the um, the well, the, the failure and you you have to go again and make another game until it uh, it works. For example, the, um, the developer of, of uh, uh, Slay, the, Slay the Spire I, I don't know how to pronounce that in English, uh, Slay the Spear. I don't know. Um, well, they're successful now, but at the beginning, they, they've made a lot of game, a lot of prototype and they didn't work. So the, um, the difficult part is to, to do it again and again and again until it works. It's like being in a Shonen manga. Uh, it's like the guy who succeeds is the guy who doesn't quit. And well, making a game, it's the, it's the same. You, you have to be stubborn enough. To try again and again, and maybe you will have a success, but and you never know. the The problem is that you never know. And when you have a publisher, it's reassuring because uh, you think that the publisher will help you. But you have to choose the publisher, and you never know who who's the good publisher for you, because there are some publishers who are specialized in this kind of this kind of game. So if you don't have the um, R- right game genre for that publisher he won't help you to reach your audience so yeah that's the other difficult part oh and of course well a publisher they only have uh, some slots uh you can't a publisher can't market uh hundreds game per year i mean even devolver they, they don't market all the indie game so you have to be the the right guy at the right moment, so that devolver pick you, and even if devolver pick you, you may not have a success.
0: I think you make a good point about like, it's, I guess essentially, you have to know what you want to, what you want in a publisher because they pick you, but then you also pick them. And yes. I remember speaking to a, another indie developer, Neil Jones, um, about his game, Aerial Knights, Never Yield, and he was he was very like adamant that. He wasn't just gonna go with, like any publisher. He had a certain set of, I guess, values yes. that he was looking for, and then there was a match of values. So I guess for any person who's in that situation, it's like, do the values match, and is is this the right deal for both both sides?
2: Yes, because at the beginning there was not so many publishers but now you have a lot of publisher. You have the the console and the PC and uh, Steam, and everyone wants some creative stuff so that you have the choice and you have to take advantage of that
1: with so many indie games available across different platforms what role does marketing play for indies um it can feel like something that is overlooked within small teams
2: well at first when you you were making an indie game there was no so much indie game so you don't. You didn't need marketing, but now, uh, since there's a lot of game on the market, you are competing, uh, competing, with um, new games and old games, because um, when you have a wish list that is full of games, you don't know if you buy the um, old game from 2010, but it's a classic, or you buy the new one, who may be good or not. So you're competing with every kind of game from the beginning of the game creation. So that's a difficult part. and That's why uh, marketing is key right now. You have to be visible. You, the consumer have to know that you have a game, otherwise the consumer won't take a look at, at your game. So that's uh, the difficult part because most of the indie creators uh, they think that if the game is good, the consumer will pick it. But there's too many games right now for the for it, it doesn't work right now. The situation has changed so much that it doesn't work. So that's why marketing is key. And that's why there's a lot of indie game uh, companies who uh, give keys to um, streamer on Twitch and YouTube so that people can uh, see the game, be aware that there's a game. And uh, most of the time, that's the the new marketing for that kind of game.
1: And how do you think channels like Steam and social media have changed the way that indie teams find their audience?
2: Well, at first, the, the um, social media was very... Um, it's like everything is like a Kickstarter. Uh, if it was easier 10 years ago, because there were not so many games, so many projects, right now you have um, to really think about what you're putting on social media, and you have to put uh, videos because nobody will read and nobody will be uh, attracted to a simple image. So you have to put a lot of effort to make your post and make your video so that uh, it catch uh, somebody's attention. So, yeah, that's the um, difficult part right now. If you can do it by yourself, that's nice, but most of the time. People are using social media or they are using a PR company or a specialist to help them to to manage the social media. Because at first, when you want to do a game, you don't want to manage that thing. You you want to do a game, not um, talk about the game. That's not your job. That's not your dream job, I mean.
1: Um, Pandemic aside, does offline marketing still make a difference? What? event came up in your research?
2: Well, the, there's some game who which sell uh in retail still. So you you can't dismiss um retail, you can't dismiss um in-person marketing and things like that. Because you you don't know what kind of um what kind of audience will um will pick your game. I mean you you can have an idea but um, when you have uh, in-person, like um, trade show, things like that, you can see how people react. And that's um, maybe the most important thing. So you have to, to test your game on that kind of event. It's a marketing tool for you because you can make your, well, people can see your game, but it's also a playtest tool for you because you can see how people are playing or not playing your game. And you can um, change uh, the gameplay or change the level, um to make it more attractive. So, yeah, it's still something important, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Narrative is something that has become more of a focus in games. How has this changed indie game development, in your opinion? And what personally attracts you to an indie game, narrative or mechanics?
2: It depends of, uh, on the genre. Well... Narrative game is not um, something new. Uh, at the beginning of the game, there was um RPG, and uh, the first RPG were only a text only game. So it's not really new, but um, thanks to the indie scene, now you have more text-only game, or almost text-only game. And that's an interesting thing, because you have... Um, the audience is different. The content creator of that kind of game are different too. So you can have more choice. And, um, yeah, it's like an, um, being in a big ice cream factory. Now you can have all the flavor you want in a chocolate and every kind of fruit and combination. And yes, that's, that's um, the good part of the more narrative focused game. It's very different because it attracts another audience and it attracts another kind of creator.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, being an indie dev means working with constraints. What are some of the interesting stories you found of developers working with constraints in their games? Did you find the relationship between art style and genre or gameplay style?
2: Well, if you are making a strategy game, most of the time the player don't Care about the graphics, and uh, the the creator don't care about the graphics. But after a while, the interface are becoming uh, awful, and you have to read it, and that's when the the problem the problem arise because the um, uh, the UI is um it's kind of the game. I mean, uh, in a strategy game, if you don't have a good UI, it's just like a spreadsheet. So, yeah the um, that's the interesting thing about um, strategy game they never think about the ui but um, ui is key for them otherwise it's just a spreadsheet and it's the same with uh, other kind of game I- each uh, genre have its um, problem so if you um, have um, a developer who is mainly focused on the graphics after a while uh, well um, the graphics are good but there's no gameplay so it's like a dream of a creative um, director, but there's no game. It's um, yeah, it's more in interactive uh, fiction, something like that. So it's always uh, interesting to to see the background of the developer, of the creator, and then you see the kind of game he is making, and you you may guess the problem he will encounter or not, and that's why. Most of the successful game are made by two or three people because they have a different kind of skill. They are uh, they are complementary, and that's why it it works. Okay. Yeah. So looking
1: to the future, is there anything you had to leave out of the book that you wish you could have kept in?
2: Well, the book was first uh, written in uh, twenty seventeen. And uh, published in 2018 in French, and uh, thanks or oh, due to the pandemics, it was uh, released in English in 2020. And uh, I'm working right now on the second volume of the book. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because things have changed a lot. And when I'm doing my interview right now, most of the game creator told me the the impact of the um, the pandemic and how they have to work with the constraint, but in reality, the pandemic didn't give them more constraint because they were already um, working uh, not in person in an office. It's just that it's uh, more. Um, it has normalized working from another country with another timeline and things like that. And that's uh, yeah, that's interesting. And the other thing is that um the market has changed so much that uh for example, on uh, mobile, the kind of game you're making are very different um nowadays you can't make a game which is not a free to play on mobile. you won't have any uh, revenue it's uh, yeah, it's a sad it's very sad, but maybe things that uh, thanks to game pass and other uh, subscription based. um Program maybe indie game will arise again. I don't know, but on mobile um, the market is very very difficult if you're not making a free to play, and on other platform it's the same. You you have to be noticeable. You you have to to make something that grab the attention of the the public, and it's um, yeah it's so many there's so many games. It's very difficult. Yeah, thanks to the fact that I'm writing the second volume, uh, I can talk more about the the change in the game genre uh, due to the change of the market.
1: And as game engines and development tools become more powerful and accessible, do you think we'll see more games looking closer to AAA titles, for example, a Bridge of Spirits?
2: Yes, of course, because... um, technology is cheaper so you everything is cheaper but that's not even if you have a game that looks like a triple a that doesn't mean that uh, the game will be good i think that um there's the, the problem in the in the audience in the fact that uh, they are used to have a triple a with um, photorealistic graphics and for them a good game or a best-seller game is um photorealistic graphics or three d graphics. And indie games are just um i don't know cheap two d or pixel art, things like that. in reality the the fun part of the game is in the gameplay it's not um it's not the graphics. and you can have an open world and have a lot of uh, incredible things. In indie games, and you don't need to to have so much um, resource. And the fact is that right now, the technology enables you to to make a lot of things. But the, the more you you have, the less creative you are.
1: Uh, so we know that games move so fast. What has changed since you wrote the book, wrote and published a book that you would love to add?
2: Um, the rise of uh, indie developer in uh, uh, outside of Europe and the US. There's a lot of indie developer right now in uh, in Asia, um, East Asia, and things like that. And um, I think it's interesting to have uh, other country uh, making games because the, um, they have other constraints. So. Making interview about people who don't have the same uh, background or the same culture, but they're making games is uh it's is uh yeah it's interesting. Cool.
1: So just a couple more questions from me before we go into a pro tip. Is there any new skills that you had to learn during the pandemic and lockdowns?
2: Um. Yeah, you have to learn to take. Time off. Problem with the the pandemic and the lockdown is that uh, you tend to do the same thing again and again, and there's no limit between work and your private life, or I don't know. So most people um, they tend to be um, maybe work alcoholic more than they were before. So the um, the thing you have to learn is to um, to have a period uh, in which you you work and another period uh, during which you rest and do something else. Otherwise, you, you won't have the creativity you need because you have to live to make something interesting for other people too. So when you don't have the interaction with other people, when you don't have your own private life, everything is just work and it's not worth it. And you your work won't be as creative as you want
1: um and then what would you tell your younger self to look out for at the start of the journey?
2: I don't know something like um just trust the process, <laughs> everything will happen in time. Don't be too um impatient. I think I was very impatient. There's a lot of things that takes time, and things will will change, and uh, everything will happen inside so just uh, do your thing enjoy the process and everything will be fine
1: so in each interview we ask our guests to give advice for aspiring creative professionals we're talking indie game development today so what advice do you have for other listeners who may want to get into making their own video games
2: i think that i'm I will uh, repeat the um, the advice the indie ge- developer gave me. the 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 main advice is just do it. You want to do a game; it's your passion. You think it's your passion, so just do it. You need to learn to code. Well, just do it. If you don't want to learn to code, well, have someone to code for you. You can make friends with um, someone who is passionate, who have a passion for that and then maybe he will help you but uh, the thing is just do it
1: yeah <laughs> I think that's some great advice so to our listeners you can give feedback on uh, this interview so you can let us know what you think at feedback at mymada.com. so we're now going to get into some bonus round questions mm-hmm.
0: So this is the part where we throw in follow-up questions or random questions that don't quite fit uh, anywhere else. Uh, So I've just got a few questions, uh, and they are about manga and anime, because you've also published some books about anime. Uh, We make manga, so we cannot let you leave without talking about that. But uh, one thing on the indie developer uh, subject I wanted to ask about, because you mentioned the wishlist feature and how... Like people have sort of long uh, wish lists um, on their Steam account or whatever it might be, what does that what does that do for an indie developer? Do you know? Is because I hear a lot of indie developers push that or, or promote that, but is is that for a specific reason?
2: Uh, well, if you're on a lot of wish lists, that means that your game is interesting for lots of people, so it's very reassuring for the indie developer. The they can think that they have an audience and that people will buy their game. So it's, um, it gives them some courage to continue the process,
0: to keep oh, okay. on
2: doing it. And the other thing is that when you have a wish list, then the Steam or other platform will promote your game more. So yeah, that's, um, some kind of feature that, uh, it's like, um, the algorithm of Amazon, you know, when you buy a book have some recommendation for other books. So when you have games on a wish list, and um, the wish, the game is on a lot of wish lists, then Steam know that the the game is interesting for a lot of people, and it may promote it more.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. It is all about the algorithm, isn't it? So yeah, it's good to know because uh, I, I always wondered about like the specifics around that. Um, so you've wrote some books about anime. As we, you were talking, you mentioned Full Metal Alchemist, and we've done a whole episode on uh, Full Metal Alchemist uh, Brotherhood. On that, so I just interested to know, like, uh, what particularly did you find interesting about that show? I mean, there's a lot to find interesting, but what attracted you to it in particular?
2: Well, all the the, the concept of um, the counterpart when you have when you want something, you have to give something. That's the the main feature, and um, I've seen the the first anime, and um, the episode about uh, the little girl who is turned into a, a monster because oh, his yeah. father wants to, well, want to have the social status. Uh, it was very, um, for me, it was sh- so shocking. So yeah, it was very intense. And I think that um, in the modern world, most people are like that father. They want the status. They want to have the prestige. And uh, they will make everything to have the prestige, even if it's um, it's immoral, or even if it's um, well, yeah, it's um, that was the the main episode, and everything about um, the, the character. I, I think it's uh, very well done because they they all have their their flow, but they're also very um, the the high spirit, the the things about the. Uh, Loyalty be- between the brothers. Everything was, yeah. A, yeah. I really love that show because they're they're real heroes. They they they're not um, heroes for the country or for things like that, but they um, they have each other, and that's the the family thing. I think it's the 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 really important, interesting thing in the in the story.
0: Yeah, and no, I definitely like that. That you have to to get something, you have to give something. We should have you on that show as well. Um, But so the other uh, book that you have, or you've done it also, a book on Satoshi Kon. So that's another uh, creator that we have also discussed. We recently did an episode on Paprika and before that, uh, Perfect Blue. What do you what do you think about his work, and do you have a favorite title that he's done?
2: I think that Satoshi Kon is not well. um, People don't know who Satoshi Kon is. Most people haven't seen. Any uh, film uh, he made, and I think it's a shame because when you talk about um, mainstream um, people about anime, they always talk about I don't know Naruto or One Piece or Ghibli, and I think it's boring because yeah, well it's anime, but um, Satoshi Kon is more like a filmmaker. He used um, the animation technique to make a movie. And his inspiration is more film, real, with uh, actors, things like that. So when he's making his um, his movie, he's always using the cheapest way to make something move. And that kind of technique is very impressive. And uh, he's very uh, inventive. And when you, you look at his uh, storyboard, it's like looking at a manga. Everything is uh, written how to do it, how to frame it. So you use the the less drawings, but at the same time, it's meaningful. For example, in paprika, you have the same sequence again and again, but each time you have something that change and um, the change is always something meaningful. So at um, the same time, it's very cheap because you're really using the same sequence, but it's meaningful. So it uh, adds something to... um, to the story and in um, Perfect Blue it's the same because you have the same sequence when she wake up the wake up sequence it's always the same but uh, the feeling you have is always different and uh, the thing is that um, he always is um, for Satoshi you you can't um have the rational part uh, aside from the um, imaginative part the fantasy land and, and things like that and um, in in, Pap- in paprika, you have the um, scientist in daylight, and you have the dream uh, uh, detective uh, at night, and there's there's two women, but at the end, the the two women are the same again, and that's why the the movie is a feel good ending movie, because you have to realize that you can't have the rational part aside from the irrational part. Because uh, the, both are human. And that's the, the, the great thing about Satoshi He's talking about um, how to be human. Because um, right now, most of... Um, we, people always talk about the enlightenment and the reason and be rational and trust the science. I don't know. But in reality, you, you already have to deal with your imagination. And imagination is a big part of your life and irrational thing like love or friendship, it's a part of your life, it's a part of being human. And that's why Satashikan is so important because he's talking about the the part that is lacking in human right now. Because you have to be um, you have to make money and make your career, things like that. So when you're focusing on only making money or focusing only on your social status you're lacking the other parts, and that's why you—it's like in full metal alchemist—you're giving one part for another part.
0: Yeah. Well, wow, that's a yeah, that's a cool cool way to look at. I need to watch that again because it's one of those films that there's so much going on, uh, and I like what you said in that interpretation and how it sort of applies to just life in in general. Now, now I want to go and watch that again.
2: <laughs> you know, in in paprika, the um, the detective. He's yeah. giving up his dream when he was yeah.
0: uh, he, he was a kid.
2: yeah and that's why he is making the um, the nightmare because he's giving up his dream he he's killing himself
0: so yeah I um, need to watch that again <laughs> do, and do you have any favorite anime shows or films that you're enjoying today
2: well uh I don't remember the name of the anime it was an anime about um taxi driver and uh every Everyone was uh, an animal, I think. Oh,
0: um, yes, we've uh, this come again? up before.
2: Oh.
0: Odd Taxi.
1: Yes. Odd Taxi. That's the one that was recommended to us. A few yeah, yeah.
0: Ago.
1: That's really, really good. I need to actually watch it, because I've got Crunchyroll at the moment. I think it's on Crunchyroll, roll, Yeah. So I need to watch it while I've got Crunchyroll. <laughs>
0: it's,
2: uh, <laughs> it's good because it's uh, short. So, I mean, I Always love like One that. Piece. But it's uh, it's, too, it's long. too long. yeah.
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> if you want to to watch One Piece from the beginning, yeah, it will take you months, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very short st- um, series, and it's good. Yeah, the everything is, is well written in in it. So at first, you you may think that it's just a detective story or things like, but it, it's different, and it's uh, related to Satoshi Kon and his. Um, his way of thinking about uh, being human as uh, rational and irrational in the same time
0: all right well another recommendation for that so that is it was already on the list but um i have to bump that up Uh, my final question is where can people find uh, you and your work
2: well in the library (laughs) i have uh, (laughs) uh, some well uh, Most of my books are in French, but yeah, they they can have the indie game book in English. Uh, I have a a small blog. I don't write uh, that much right now because I'm writing a a book for print. But uh, yeah, on my blog mostly.
0: All right, we'll put uh, like I said, we'll put a link to uh, your work in French and indie games uh, in English, so people can uh, can find that. But uh, uh, bountifully. Thank you for joining us and uh, letting us know some of the behind the scenes of making a book and some of your thoughts on indie game development.
2: Well, thank you again for the invitation.
0: No problem. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of Story X Story, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss another one. You can give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps us reach new listeners and fans of Story Discussions. We talked a little bit about uh, manga. We also make our own manga. So you can check out the Maya Madder manga universe on our website. Uh, we've got uh, a number of titles, including our latest release, Serious Through the Fog, which just came out in print as of November. Uh, I think so. It's been out for uh, about a month. Check out myamada.com forward slash manga to see all of those. And you can also join our Gamepad Discord uh, where we do different events on Twitch and you can become a Studio 77 member for exclusive access to different events and content from the MayaMada universe. So we have ongoing discussions um, with indie developers, interviews, and panels. And our next Gamepad online event is on Saturday, the 15th of January. So you can get your ticket at gamepad.events. is free, um, but you get a chance to win uh, some exclusive artwork printed on canvas. Other than that, stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com, and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So until next time, Stay safe and we will see you again soon. Take care, everyone.